Hello and welcome to Within Normal Limits, Copic's podcast featuring discussions of patient safety in the modern healthcare world. I'm your host, Eric Zacharias. I'm a risk manager at Copic, as well as a practicing internal medicine physician. Thank you for listening and helping us further Copic's mission of improving medicine in the communities we serve. Well, this should be a fun podcast today because joining me are Lisa James, who's the executive director of the Pikes Peak Community College Foundation, as well as Amber Lippincott, who is the associate dean of nursing at Pikes Peak. Copic has just been involved with a grant for this organization, and we're going to talk a little bit about the organization, and then uh, we'll we'll switch over to Amber and talk about the nursing and the clinical side of things. So. Lisa and Amber, welcome to uh, Within Normal Limits. Jeffrey, thank you so much, Eric. So, Lisa, I, I tagged you as going first for no particular reason, uh, but let's start out with maybe before we talk about Pikes Peak Community College and the foundation, what's your background? How did you come to uh, Pikes Peak Community College, where'd you grow up and how'd you land in such a beautiful black uh, backdrop? I love the picture of the mountains behind your uh, Zoom screen. Well, thank you. I do too. And that's actually what brought me back here. I grew up in Colorado Springs. I've got a military family background, um, went away for college and, and went to see the world, spent more than a decade in the San Francisco Bay Area fundraising, and it was time to come home and help with my family, and that's what brought me back here, well, five and a half years ago. It's astonishing how, how quickly that's gone, and I'm just thrilled to be at Pikes Peak Community College, which was, when I left town, it was El Paso County Junior College, and so this is a, a very different beast than it was when I last lived in Colorado Springs. Well, you've lived in some nice areas. I like somebody who, who picks good cities. It, it shows uh, that you're into more than just doing your work, that you want to live in a, in a nice community. Um, so let's talk about what really matters. Who'd you cheer for in the Super Bowl? Did you watch the game? <laughs> I did watch the game, and, you know, I'm sorry. I I don't think I'm ever going to be a fan of the Bucks. Um, I wasn't a fan of the Patriots. I have specific reasons for that, which don't air publicly. Um, and, you know, I, I just – it's hard to cheer for the Chiefs because I'm a diehard Bronco fan. But for one day, I was a Chiefs fan. Well, if your goal was a boring game, if you put a pox on both teams, I think you were successful. And I've been cheering hard for at least 20 years against Tom Brady, and that's really gotten me far. That's been a great bet. Um, so let's talk about Pikes Peak Community College. Uh, you, know, you mentioned that it had a different name, and it looks like from what I read in the, in the background that uh, you serve multiple counties and have about 150 programs of study. Uh, how many people actually come to Pikes Peak? How many students do you do you serve? In a normal year, we've got somewhere between eighteen and twenty thousand students. We're fewer than that this year. Um, students just really would prefer to take in in-person in instruction, 
and are not as big a fan of all the time on Zoom and Teams and WebEx and YouTube and all of the other virtual uh, channels that we're using to deliver instruction. And you have a pretty large military presence in that part of the state. Uh, how many of your uh, constituents, uh, students, and others have military either directly or through their families? About 26% of our students are uniformed military veterans or their dependents. So it's a, a critically important uh, uh, part of our population. And a couple of last questions. Uh, it looks as if uh, healthcare is showing no signs of slowing down for community needs. What are you finding? Are your graduates getting jobs? Is this a place where if I came to train, I would come out with a position in healthcare? Um, if you trained, you would come out with multiple positions in healthcare. We have kind of the, as you know from COPIC, we have the, the quadruple whammy here because not only are nurses aging across the country, but they're even older in Colorado. Our elderly population, particularly in the Pikes Peak region, is uh, climbing faster than the national average, about three times faster. And, oh, by the way, those nurses are retiring, along with all the other old people here in, in uh, beautiful Colorado. And so we started this expansion to address the really deep needs that our healthcare providers have across the boards. RNs, our dental assistants, our pharmacy techs, we started a new program, Surgical Technologist. Um, we've got a couple of other new programs coming down the line. And this is really based on what we're hearing from industry and then what we've been able to uh, duplicate that, that demand in jobs listings. Well, it sounds like you're a place where if I lived in the area and wanted to train, I would, I would go to, to get a job. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's nice that you can educate a community and get them out and serve a community need by getting them jobs. And uh, then obviously the community needs these employees. So that's, uh, that's, that's positive all around. How did you find out about the Copic Foundation and how was the, the process for getting a grant? Let's talk about that a little bit. Obviously you're in a foundation, you know about how to seek out grants, how to raise money. Uh, what was your experience with Copic? How did you find us? Uh, I found you through a web search, uh, and I did a, a, a lot of research to figure out, is this the right place to go? And we're both interested in patient safety um, and just really found our missions aligned. We've been doing this very major expansion into healthcare education. It's about a $24 million investment mainly for the college, but also for the foundation. As, as we are looking to be able to increase our enrollment and make sure our students are getting jobs afterwards. Because our population is about 50% low income and more than 50% are the first in their families to go to college, that direct line between high quality education and career opportunities, employment opportunities is just very important to us. Well, I love the idea of upward, mo upward, upward mobility through education. So 
uh, thank you for doing that. That's uh, that's a really important mission that you're serving. Well, we we just see it making a difference all the time, and we see it making a difference in our nursing program, which is as diverse as the rest of our student body. And and you know what we've done in a very short amount of time, um, increasing to not only have the RN program but to have the bachelor's program which is not that long ago that the state legislature passed the uh, legislation that enabled community colleges to offer bachelor's programs. And we're very, very proud of the quality of our nursing program. They are, um, they are fierce educators and our pass rates on the NCLEX exam are proof of that as we're con consistently ranked in the number one ranking um, across the country, and it's something we're very proud of. Well, and, and well, you should be, and while we're talking about nursing, we have none other than the Associate Dean of Nursing, Amber Livingott, here. So, Amber, back to you. Where did you grow up? Where are you from? How did you uh, come to this position? Um, I'm originally from Kentucky, um, but I did grow up in Colorado, Colorado Springs here, and I am a uh, I graduated from Pikes Peak Community College in their nursing program. So I've been able to practice as a nurse in the community for the last 12 to 13 years. And I've been part of Pikes Peak Community College for the last three. So uh, I have to ask you the same question about the Super Bowl. Uh, what did you uh, What did you find other than kind of a yawning a uh, boring game towards the end there. It was. It seemed like the Chiefs couldn't get anything going. Who were you cheering for? Um, well, uh, my husband is a Bronco fan, and so if I was to cheer for Kansas City, I probably wouldn't have a place to call home. So it was uh, pretty obvious that um, I should stay neutral when watching the game. Uh, but there was definitely a clear delineation between who was the powerhouse that day and maybe who maybe need a little bit more practice. Yeah, the, uh, the, the yeah the, the the game was clear. Brady is uh, he's an outstanding player and a fabulous athlete. And from everything I've ever heard, he's actually a great guy, which makes it even more fun to cheer against him. So uh, let's talk about what is going on with Sim Labs and with training and how this grant is being utilized. I read that. Uh, there's all kinds of things going on in nursing labs from things that seem somewhat banal, like how do you put gloves on, how do you change dressings, how do you give medications, and so on, uh, to things as complicated as this uh, maternal birthing simulator, which we'll get into in, in, in more detail. But let's just talk about the general idea of simulated care versus direct care and uh, some, I have pretty strong opinions on the value of that. I think it's incredibly valuable uh, to go through the basics. If you don't know how to change a sterile dressing properly, you're going to infect a wound, and that infected wound is going to lead to a complication down the road. But uh, so what, what do you all do from, uh, from just basic stuff, uh, simulated care? Sure. Um so simulation really brings an additional sophisticated tool that allows us to teach evidence-based practice in a learning environment that allows the students to make mistakes and then also correct them. Um, so students during simulation, they really have that opportunity to practice the high frequency and low stakes 
and then low frequency and high stakes clinical skills that are really pertinent to their individual discipline. So it allows them to practice things that they may not see very often and to practice skills that they would do every single day and just become a normal part of their normal day tasks. Well, it's really important to have uh, a, a pattern and a system that you apply to care because uh, when things do become emergency, uh, you fall back on those skills. I'm recertifying in ACLS right now, which is probably my, oh God, probably my 12th, 15th time to recertify in ACLS. But every time I do it, uh, first of all, I go into it somewhat grumbling because that's my basic uh, personality type. You know, I bring the Eeyore uh, to, uh, to the meeting. Uh, but I get through it, and I think, wow, this was really valuable. I've, I've learned these things. And so uh, you can't go around putting patients in cardiac arrest to practice your mega code. So you do have to do these, uh, do these simulations. And I suppose the other area, which let's, let's talk about it now, is OBGYN. I mean, OBGYN, you, you can't just say, let's deliver another baby. Uh, come on, mom, uh, so we can practice on you. So uh, it seems like there's a, a, a this is a great uh, place for, uh, for a, a simulation lab. So uh, how's it been received and, and where are you setting up? Um, that's a great question. So as you know, it's very specialized with pediatrics and OB and our psychiatric care. And so originally, our setting over at our other um, facility is that we didn't really have a great area to spread out. We kind of worked with one mannequin, and we had a couple scenarios, but it was in a big group environment, so we really had to use a lot of our imagination and our creativity. So now, in our simulation center, we have private patient rooms. So we're able to have a labor and delivery bed set up with a mom who's able to deliver. We're able to apply fetal monitors and able to assess that information in a real-time manner. And then the students are able to either deliver, they're able to do postpartum hemorrhage, they're able to do a cord prolapse or even a placental abruption. So um, it's really helping us to improve that uh, patient experience and things that they wouldn't normally see in the clinical area. Most often students, when they're in OB, they're usually just shadowing or just observing. They're not able to apply those fetal monitors, and they're not usually checking that cervix, and they're definitely not running a postpartum hemorrhage code. So this really provides that opportunity for them to see those high stakes with that low frequency that kind of occurs and allows them to identify a little bit quicker and faster when they are at the bedside. Well, I think that's great. And I would not want my child's uh, scalp to be the first place that someone sticks a fetal uh, scalp probe. I would like it if they had some sort of uh, semblance of training. And it sounds like you, you, you do that. And so how do you evaluate somebody uh, if they're competent or not in the, in this, in the sim lab? What's the, uh, what kind of uh, instruments do you use to make sure people are competent? Sure. So we do have skills checkoffs that we, you know, identify if they're competent. But in the simulation experience, this is definitely an opportunity for them to learn so they're allowed to make mistakes. But we do use debriefing, meaningful learning, so that way after the scenario um, occurs, we're able to take them back into a private room 
And in a team environment, we're able to really reveal the relationships that occurred during the scenario and what actions that we took. Um, and then it allows the students to kind of really engage and explore and then critically evaluate that experience that they just had. So it really allows them to focus on the situation, develop that teamwork, and understand that urgency and practice that communication skills. Um, we have evaluation tools that we'll have afterwards to kind of understand exactly what they obtained from the scenario. Usually students felt better prepared, they were more confident in their decision-making skills, and really recognizing the change in patient condi uh, conditions and addressing those concerns. And I think that's one of those big high priorities as providers and nurses is to ensure that we're recognizing those deteriorating patient conditions and that we are intervening at appropriate intervals before the condition worsens. Well, that's so key. And as you might imagine, in the world of professional liability, we see a lot of times when those uh, deteriorations are not noticed until they're fairly far along. And uh, having the simulation, I think, would really help people pick up on some of those subtle yet critical clues uh, early on because, uh, boy, the, the earlier you can get before a cascading uh, deterioration of a, of a patient, especially in labor, my goodness, so, so valuable. So the, the Copic... Uh, you know, I, I, I know we have the grant. I know it's within the OBGYN bays, and I have a list of some of the items. So just let's kind of run through a few of these because I'd be curious on some of the maybe your favorite sims or some of the th simulations that are done. You know, let's start with the, with the birthing mannequin. What's the, the, uh, the, is it Lucina birthing mannequin? What, what goes on with that? Oh yeah, she's pretty exciting. So we're able to practice uh, Leopold's maneuver. And that's with us, you know, um, demonstrating to the nursing student exactly where they need to place their hands to identify where that fetus is. And then they're able to place those fetal monitors. And then Lucina, we can, in the background, kind of change how she reacts to that student, which is pretty amazing, uh, which is really great. So. She also, we're able to check her cervix and she's able to respond in a correct manner um, on how she feels about being examined by a nursing student. And then she's also able to deliver um, a, a newborn, which is really great. And she has a lot of wonderful sounds that she comes with um, while she's delivering. Um, some of my favorite scenarios would probably be that postpartum hemorrhage and I think my ultimate um, scenario is that cord prolapse. Well, those are those are so key. And to talk about a time to have a cool head when the postpartum hemorrhage starts, uh, that's when you need to have the experience in a, and hopefully not from multiple actual patient hemorrhages, but from multiple uh, attempts and understanding, okay, how do I systematically address this catastrophic issue where seconds count? And uh, it's great that you that you have that. Well, let's go through a few others. Uh, the radiant infant warmer device. Uh, what do you what do you do with uh, what do you do with that? Absolutely. So when an infant delivers, we definitely practice skin to skin. Um, but that infant radiant warmer helps us to transition that infant. They're not doing very well. Place on that warmer and be able to get to dry that infant off and be able to do those APGAR scores to see if that newborn is transitioning to extra uterine life and if they're doing okay. 
So it allows us to bring that newborn over to that station and allows us to systematically kind of approach that newborn. So not only they're needing to worry about that mom, but they also have a new patient that just delivered. So now they got to manage both the mom and the baby and hopefully not the father as well, because that would just kind of throw a wrench in everything. I like it. And I, I, I really am impressed with this. I think uh, we need to do a Copic field trip and come down there and, and see what you all have. Our, our CEO is an OBGYN and what I might like to do, hopefully he's not listening to this, but we can come up with some really complex scenarios and just, just see how deep his knowledge is. Uh, can you simulate shoulder dystocia with the, uh, with the mannequin? Oh, yes. Um, I forgot about that scenario. Um, we do have a scenario where we just have um, a shoulder dystocia, and then she turns into a postpartum hemorrhage. So, yes, we do. We do like Roberts. Um, we talk about how to get that patient onto their hands and knees. It's a little bit more difficult with Lucina because she's very heavy to maneuver because she's got all these electronics inside. We definitely go through each step to kind of widen that pelvis, like Roberts, um, and obviously calling the provider. So that's really key to each of the scenarios that we practice is that they are also identifying when they need to communicate with others, others in the team, and especially that provider to get them to the bedside and to collaborate with that um, high-risk situation. Well, that's so key, and uh, what you're describing is just the, the proverbial situational awareness. Is this a big deal? I can remember uh, very vividly, I mean, I haven't been involved with delivering a baby for, uh, it's been quite a while, uh, but I remember the first time I saw a shoulder dystocia and saw everybody kick into supreme competence. Everybody was kind of relaxing in a laid-back state, and all of a sudden it was just game on, and I had no idea what everybody was doing. There was, you know, full-on body pressure uh, on the uterus, uh, rotating positions, and then the baby came out just perfectly. It was beautiful to see somebody really skilled. And it's the kind of thing that just watching it live probably uh, is is not adequate. Uh, so having this uh, birthing mannequin is really cool. Well, let's talk about the last couple of things, the delivery lights and the pediatric cribs. What do you do with those? Yeah, so the the lights kind of um, provide additional viewing of the pelvis areas. So that just kind of provides an additional uh, piece of equipment in the room that the labor and delivery nurse would need in order to help and assist the provider at the bedside. And then the what was the second item you mentioned? The pediatric cribs. Oh, the pediatric cribs, yes. We also do have um, a healthy amount of pediatric scenarios, um, which is really great. It helps us to demonstrate what it's like to be in a pediatric environment. We just have one community partner here, and not all students rotate through that pediatric environment. So just seeing what those cribs look like in the hospital setting and then working through those scenarios as well, like doing IV care. Um, maybe there's a situation um, with the pediatric patient and they need to communicate with the parents and the parents don't understand how that's working. And then we do have um, a death and dying scenario. Wow, important stuff to, to go through and, and scripting and, and developing the sensitivities because there's so many complex ways to, to play those various scenarios. So, uh, you know, Lisa and Amber, I, I think this is one of the more interesting podcasts I've recorded because 
you know, I now have knowledge about this amazing institution, which is serving, you know, to, you know plus minus 20,000 people a year. And the fact that people are coming out of this incredibly well-trained, hopefully uh, Copic and the Copic Medical Foundation uh, giving some money for this uh, uh, birthing simulator is, is useful to, to serve in your mission. But I really appreciate what, uh, what both of you are doing and uh, thank you for joining us. We invite you to join us at PPCC. After everybody is vaccinated, we cannot wait to show you our, our nursing wards because they are, we've worked very hard to make this real time. So there is, is mi really minimizing the shock for a student leaving us and going into a workplace. It should look exactly the same and we couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much. Hi, this is Dr. Susan Scambotti, a colorectal surgeon and medical director of Copic, thanking you for being a listener. We hope you find Within Normal Limits to be interesting and informative as we at Copic continue with new ways to bring you content relevant to our mission. Please email us at wnlpodcast at copic.com with show ideas or topics you would like to see addressed in future episodes of Within Normal Limits, Navigating Medical Risk. Also, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice so you don't miss any of our content. And while you're at it, please give us a rating if you enjoyed our show.